The interview you're about to hear was aired on Planet Philadelphia on Germantown Community Radio at 92.9 FM, WGGTLP Philadelphia, and gtownradio.com. I'm Kay Wood, the host of Planet Philadelphia. Thanks for tuning in today. Linda Rosenwine is here with me on this call. We will be speaking with Dr. Simbaro today. He's the senior researcher and group leader for BNI Research, Crop, Livestock, and Environment Division. He's at JIRCAS, the Japan International Research Center for Agricultural Sciences, and his research is a collaboration between JIRCAS and CIMMYT, the International Maize and Wheat Improvement Center. He will be discussing something called BNI frequently, and that is biological nitrification inhibition. And it's important to know that that is different than synthetic nitrification inhibition. The latter involves adding chemicals to the soil, which is more costly for farmers, than having the plants and soil do the nitrification naturally. You will also hear why this development of BNI is potentially revolutionary worldwide for food production, pollution control, and lowering of greenhouse gases. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. It's my pleasure to be uh, talking with you people today. We were very interested to read about some recent research, but before we get into that, could you please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes, I'm a, a senior researcher uh, working at JCAS, Japan International Research uh, for Agricultural Sciences. Our group has been uh, working on this phenomenon called BNI, biological nitrification inhibitor production from the plant root systems. And uh, initially, our work was mostly on tropical pastures, uh, but it is now expanded to uh, some of the important staple crops like wheat uh, and maize and so on. It may be unfortunate, but I think a lot of people who are thinking about climate change are thinking primarily about the energy sector, which is important, but there's other things going on. That's right. I think uh, this is a common misconception that uh, most of the climate change-related issues, uh, uh, primarily the greenhouse gas emissions, are largely driven by the industry and uh, the transport sectors. Uh, But the reality is nearly a third of greenhouse gas emissions are coming from the agriculture and the food sector, food production sector. Uh, Many people may not know that. So agriculture contribution to greenhouse gas emissions are substantial. One third, um, nearly 18 billion metric tons of carbon emissions are coming from agriculture. And a large part of greenhouse gas emissions from agriculture are somehow directly or indirectly connected to nitrogen fertilizer production and application. And the consequences of that application uh, are contributing to this uh, one third of greenhouse gas emissions uh, um, the, the humanity is contributing to the planet. Why don't you talk first of- about fertilizers and why that's a problem. The fertilizers, particularly the nitrogen fertilizers, are essential 
without nitrogen fertilization, we can't really sustain the food production. That is a far fact. Sometime uh, in 1930s, the synthetic nitrogen fertilizer production has been invented. Since then, within 50 years, the nitrogen fertilizer consumption has grown to almost 15-fold. And the food production has gone up only about two and a half times during this last 50 years. Now you understand how much more nitrogen fertilizer we are applying in relation to the gains what we are making in terms of food production. Then the nitrogen comes from the nitrogen fertilizer alone? There's roughly maybe around 10, maybe 10% of nitrogen that is used by the crops is coming from the natural sources. And then we also have, uh, there are some types of plants called legumes. They have the ability to fix nitrogen in their root systems naturally. Uh, so that we don't need to give them any nitrogen fertilizer, like soybeans, other beans. They have the natural ability to fix their own nitrogen. All the other crops like uh, maize, wheat, sorghum, rice, all these cereals, and other, other crops uh, like oil seeds, they don't have this ability to fix nitrogen by themselves. So, so we have to provide them uh, nitrogen through the nitrogen fertilization or whatever nitrogen that has been stored in the soil over many, many centuries. That is called soil organic matter. Sounds like the, this fertilizer that's being used is necessary, except that a lot of it is just simply not being used by the plants and is being wasted. That's right. So currently, whatever nitrogen fertilizer we are applying to our farmlands, only 30% is actually taken up by the crop and converts into a plant protein. The remaining 70% of nitrogen fertilizer is lost. Uh, the reason why all these nitrogen losses are happening is the nitrogen is converted into nitrate. That is called nitrification process. So once the nitrogen is converted into nitrate in the farmlands, it's very, very difficult to keep the nitrogen in the farmlands. It goes out and pollutes in other parts of the environment. Could you tell us in a simple way why it's uh, converted to nitrates? Yeah, there is a lot of soil bacteria, uh, which is called nitrifying bacteria in the soil. They oxidize the nitrogen fertilizer, which is in the urea or ammonium form, into nitrate. Their metabolic energy by converting the ammonium into nitrate. In the natural systems, the nitrifier activity is heavily regulated by the ecosystem in such a way that only a small portion of nitrogen is allowed to move into the nitrate. So the amount of nitrate produced is relatively limited in natural systems. But whereas in the current agricultural systems, we are applying a lot of nitrogen fertilizer and we have disrupted the soil ecosystem and the plants also lost their ability to control the nitrifier activity in many of the farmlands. Taken together, 
the nitrites in the soil become super active. So the moment we apply nitrogen fertilizer, within three to four days, all the nitrogen fertilizer now is converted into nitrate. The, these super active nitrifiers in the farmlands, they are really hungry. The moment we apply the nitrogen fertilizer, they are just using it up and converting them into nitrate. And uh, once it is converted into nitrate, if you have rain comes, washes out. You irrigate the fields, washes out. So it's very difficult to keep nitrogen in the farmlands. From what we've read, it seems like your group has done some interesting research addressing this problem. So I was wondering, could you tell us a little bit about what you've been finding? The main theme of our research is uh, the production of nitrification inhibitors from the plant root systems and how to exploit this plant function uh, using the, uh, the breeding and the genetic tools uh, to amplify this plant function in such a way that we can develop the next generation crop varieties that have this kind of inbuilt function to control the nitrifier activity in the soils so that the nitrate production in farmlands can be substantially reduced. The reason why we wanted to control the nitrate production in the farmlands is most of the nitrogen losses from farmlands are coming from whether the nitrate leaching going into the groundwaters and contaminating all the groundwater with nitrate pollution or maybe going into the surface, surface water streams and polluting the water bodies like lakes and you know, rivers and, and creating large algal blooms in, in lakes uh, and making them unfit for the human consumption and also it creates many other environmental problems. In addition to that, once the nitrogen is converted into nitrate, it gets again transformed into nitrous oxide. N2O, which is one of the most powerful greenhouse gas emissions coming from farmlands. The inhibitors that are produced from the wheat root systems can control the soil nitrifier activity in such a way that the rate of nitrate production will be substantially reduced, slowed down. If it slows down, then the, the nitrogen losses can be substantially reduced. The crop will have a lot better chance in taking up all the nitrogen fertilizer what we apply in wheat farmlands. So that is the basis of this whole research, how to improve this plant function in wheat root systems. Uh, we have tested a number of uh, the wheat varieties available uh, that were developed in the last 50 years. Um, to the breeding, but there's not so much variation among those, the wheat varieties that are being developed. That is one of the reasons why we decided to look at the wild weeds. Uh, these are kind of ancestral weeds. We looked at the nitrification inhibitor production in those wild weeds, the ancestral weeds, to see whether they have any better ability to produce these nitrification inhibitors. So from that initial um, search, we found out that the, the that has the ability to produce nearly 10 to 20-fold higher nitrification inhibitor production from the root systems compared to the cultivated weeds. And uh, we identified the chromosome segment 
responsible for producing these nitrification inhibitors from the root systems. And we have transferred that one into the cultivated wheat. And then we have also transferred subsequently into, into the high-yielding wheat varieties. And, the, and then we, we showed through our research that the, the ability to produce the high levels of nitrification inhibitors is expressed in the elite wheat varieties. The elite wheat varieties means these are the wheat varieties that have yield potential of more than 10 tons uh, grain yield per hectare. Okay. And we could show that the, the elite wheat varieties have started producing substantially higher levels of nitrification inhibitors from the root systems. So it sounds to me like what you're saying is that with this variety of wheat, that it absorbs more of the fertilizer, there's less runoff of the nitrates, and also the plants grow better. Is that what you were saying? Yes, that's right. Uh, because of the BNA function, it reduces the nitrate levels in the soil and it improves the ammonium levels in the soil. This combination makes the wheat grow better and also reduces the nitrogen loss. It will improve the nitrogen uptake from by the wheat crop. So this reduces the amount of nitrous oxide produced from the wheat farms and improves the wheat productivity. So it really helped with food for the world because we're maybe facing a, a food shortage as we go forward with climate change. And it's also sounded like with the nitrous oxide, that's a greenhouse gas. So it would help reduce that? Yes, that's right. A goal is uh, to reduce the nitrous oxide emissions, the wheat fields, because wheat is one of the major nitrogen fertilizer consumer. So if we can bring a substantial improvement in the nitrification inhibitor capacity of the wheat varieties, that would have major consequences in terms of the nitrogen use, uh, in terms of reducing the nitrogen loss through the nitrate leaching and also reducing the nitrous oxide emissions from the agriculture. Do we know as uh, the wheat seeds itself whether this feature of biological nitrification and inhibition is going to continue with the next generation of the seeds and so forth? Yes. I think once you introduce and develop uh, a high-yielding variety with this ability, it will automatically transfer to the next generation. It's not like a hybrid uh, variety. Every time the farmers have to, grow to the, go to the seed company to get uh, the new hybrid. But in this case, the trait is stable and the wheat is a, a self-pollinated crop, unlike maize. So the, the, the wheat seed is stable. Generation after generation, once you have a new variety developed, once you distribute to the farmer, the farmer should be able to continue the same wheat variety on his own. This all sounds very promising, but this is still in the research stage. Is that correct? Uh, it is a little bit uh, uh, above the research stage. Uh, we have uh, shown the proof of concept. We have showed the, how these new BNI wheat varieties can be grown in the field and how 
um, they can benefit from this trade in terms of improving their productivity and, and, and reducing the nitrogen requirement. Shown in the last three years, uh, the field studies here uh, in J Japan. And also, we have had some of the field studies uh, in Mexico uh, to show the value of this uh, trait. So this can be transferred into other elite peat varieties all over the world, step by step. That is where the potential lies. And the next steps? We wanted to test these materials extensively in different parts of the world. And also, we want to transfer this trait into other wheat varieties, for instance. Now we are having uh, the discussions with the, the U.S. research groups like University of California, Davis, discussions uh, to see how to transfer this ability into the U.S. wheat varieties. And similarly, we have some uh, ongoing discussions um, to transfer this into the Indian elite wheat varieties, part of a partnership with CIMIC, uh, and um, this is uh, supported by the Japanese government to introduce uh, this ability into Indian uh, um, wheat varieties. Um, and also, I think we have some discussions with um, uh, the, the groups in New Zealand, and maybe in future we are expecting some partnerships with the uh, uh, the European groups. That's pretty exciting because if it could really be transferred into all these different types of wheat, because I know there are a lot of different types of wheat and in all these different environmental conditions, that would make a huge difference, I think, financially as well as all the other benefits. Yeah, that's right. I think the BNI weeds uh, not only reduce the nitrogen fertilizer requirement, so that, that would have impact on cost of production, but also uh, it would have impacts on environment, whether it is nitrate pollution or nitrous oxide emissions. So this is what we wanted to project um, the, 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 the benefits from developing uh, the BNI enabled wheat varieties initially. Well, thank you. Lovely talking with you. Thank you for having me. And uh, we appreciate your time. And, uh, and uh, we hope that uh, uh, some of our views would be widely known to the other people. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you will consider making a small monthly donation to help Planet Philadelphia continue presenting interviews on important underreported environmental topics and exploring their complexities and intersections. Thank you so much for your support. If you want to know more about Planet Philadelphia, go to planetphiladelphia.com. You could also find out more about other G-Town Radio programming by going to gtownradio.com. Thank you for listening.